All right, we're going to continue to swipe left on these romance features here, because this time we stopped on two little romance comedy dramas. We're talking movies. We're talking 1992's The Cutting Edge and 1990's Pretty Woman. Chris? Boopick! <laughs> you know, Scott, I appreciate this whole seduction thing you've got going on here, but let me give you a tip. I'm a sure thing. Hey everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie? We're going to continue to romp through the rom-coms with Pretty Woman and The Cutting Edge. Scott, take us away. All right, I, I picked The Cutting Edge because I thought it, had it was a toe pick in it? You toe-picked it? <laughs> no? Seriously. No? Like, no? It's like, what, 30 seconds in and you're already overtaking? <laughs> He can't even wait. It's like, and Scott, take it away. And back to Chris. Okay. <laughs> and camera one, camera two, camera one, back to Chris. All right. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was apropos, you know, with the Olympics going on. Oh, look at and, you with the fucking word of the day calendar. <laughs> yeah, I actually have it right here. Um, so, yeah, I remember this movie when it came out, and I remember liking it. Um, I'll give it this, right? Like, this film surely did show what it's like to be an Olympic athlete in the city of Hamilton and, and going to the Olympics. And you're just there to pretty much fuck every other athlete <laughs> that's there. And occasionally they throw you some medals possibly. Right. Well, well, isn't that the thing? Like the most condoms are always, distributed during olympics in olympic village yeah of course man i mean like if you think about it most olympic athletes are like you know late teens early 20s like they're young they're young adults and they are literally the fittest people hardest working people on the planet so like why wouldn't they be banging you know what i mean i'd like to go to the olympics of banging with olympic athletes so what you're saying is you missed your calling yeah i mean I'm, i'm past my prime now so (laughs) <laughs> well you missed your calling a long time ago this is true <laughs> but yeah like on second viewing like or probably third viewing um it was hard for me to continue to watch this i almost pulled <laughs> i almost pulled the u yeah and had to break it up you almost, almost you almost, pulled, like, you almost almost pulled out yeah, almost. Uh, you know, three kids in. <laughs> three kids like, later, oh. you you still haven't <laughs> quite like, got, you haven't quite mastered that yet. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I was just like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through it, right? And then it was funny because I, I I'm also gonna do something you that I never do, and I'm gonna pull a quote that I found on this uh, on this film. Oh wow! From Candace Candace Russell from the South Florida Sun Sentinel. And she put, with interesting camera angles that show that the speed and confusion of performance, the film makes a refreshing point about the merit of victory. And I would like to say to Candace, no. Because <laughs> the whole interesting camera angles, like when they, you you watched this as well. Did I you? watched no? half of it. And then I just was but, like, no, this isn't even my like, movie. I am not subjecting myself to this awfulness. 
yeah when they do like the hey they're they're now figure skating and we're going to do these tight close-ups and change the camera grade so i think like eight grain like (laughs) (laughs) i think they just literally tap the vhs like those old camcorders oh nice nice vhs and just we're we're shaking around they're like fuck we need to get the shaky cam on here like that shit was throwing me off like crazy and all i thought about was this is probably the best way that they can film these actors who actually don't know how to figure skate or act (laughs) (laughs) into, into making it look like they actually do. Right. So do you think, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Okay. So this actual film aside, I mean, I think they went on and made like what, four or five fucking sequels, including like their kid that grows up and tries to go to the Olympics too. Like, I mean, no. They... Well, from my understanding, there's th- uh, three, I think, direct to DVD movies and like one TV movie that like took this franchise, if you want to call that, uh, out. But these, like DB Sweeney and Moria Kelly, have never returned, right? They've never come back to, to this film at all. Did, sorry, do they actually have any other acting credits? I know, didn't Moira do like One Three Hill or One Tree Hill or whatever the hell it was called? Yeah, well, it, it, I found a, an interesting bit of trivia. Oh, go. Do you know that she was originally cast as um, the hockey player? Gina Davis's, no, Gina Davis's <laughs> sister in um, A League, of, Her- its League own? of Their Own. Really? But she got hurt filming this film, so she couldn't do it. And then you got Lori Putty. Oh, shit. Imagine that. Okay? You get hurt making this fucking atrocious film. And then you don't get to be in a really amazing film with an all-star cast, uh, a league of its own. A league of their own. You know what I mean? Like, that sucks. Mm-hmm. That fucking sucks, man. Yeah. But the, the other thing that I think is funny, like, when you go on Rotten tomatoes like this has a 57 uh for critics with only 35 reviews but they have twenty five thousand reviews for the audience and it's at 76 like the audience loves this film which and again we'll we'll we'll, which i want to bring up the fact that so pretty woman which is a massive film i think still to this day it is the highest rom-com it's either that or my big fat greek wedding it is like you know, quoted, you know, that whole scene it's, 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 it's talked about in other movies about, you know, that shopping scene where they won't let her shop, you know, big mistake, huge, big, you know, um, it only has a 66 from the critics. It has a less. So pretty woman has a 68% rotten tomato score, which is less than the cutting edge, but it made, $464 $464 million at the box office. So I don't know if it's just because like older movies, some people don't go back and like, like now, like, you know, the latest Spider-Man, it gets, it gets the shit reviewed out of it on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and it just makes me wonder if like people haven't gone back and like re-reviewed these films because I'm like, it's one of the places where I'm actually in kind of the world where you are, where it's like not great critics, not great, like rot- Rotten Tomatoes audience scores, but somehow made like half a billion dollars. On a $14 million budget. Man, that is the type of fucking return on investment I fucking want for a movie. 
You're talking about your movie, right? Not my Pretty movie. Woman, yeah. I couldn't find yeah. the budget for yours. I think, and I think I made like yeah. what fifty thousand dollars at the box office or something like that. I don't know. I, it, this was one of those that got oh, well, it got found on uh, you know Columbia House memberships when it, <laughs> when you, you know you had to buy a movie to to like fill your membership quota, and this movie was a dollar ninety nine. So I only know that because that's, that's how, how you I ended up it. with it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'll say in terms of scope, like the one thing I did appreciate, even though this, like, this is one of the rare films and I'm going to say rare films because I can't think of any others that it's all from the male's perspective. Yes. Right. This is the wrong male gaze, from the yeah. male side. Right. So um that i will give it and and the fact that you know in terms of plot and story i also did appreciate that you know it it it's kind of like the the joke on here in this movie that you know their relationship is foreplay um because you don't get to you know the lovey-dovey stuff like the typical rom-com formula where you know, they meet, don't like each other, they fall in love, and then, you know, they have that little bit, and then, you know, they then get paid, They get paid $3,000, three and... <laughs> yeah, and then they, you know, then they fall apart, and then they come back at the end. With this one, it's all, like, you, you, you get the building of their relationship from, you know, not liking each other to working together to respecting each other until the end where realizing that, you know they're they're together right that they love each other and you know you got to remember that gold medal match made in heaven did they win gold though did they you don't don't, you never see their scores so see their scores i actually and you know i'd love to hear your thoughts on this i actually think that you could take this premise and actually do a decent film with it I feel like one of the problems with this yeah it was called blades of glory with i was uh, just gonna i was just gonna say that The problem with this film is it tries to take itself almost too serious. It's like you either need to be serious, like a tr- true dramedy, which I think actually Pretty Woman falls into. It's more of a dramedy. Um, or you lean into the comedy, right? Like Blades of Glory, the farce, right? It's like make it ridiculous. But you still got you still need a decent script that has like good jokes. You know what I mean? You can actually, you know, the shitty camera work and stuff like that. That's you can get away with that with this kind of film. Like think of like Police Academy, you know, I mean the original Police Academy. I mean like it's not crazy cr- camera work. But it's funny, it's super farcical. Like they lean right into the comedy and it works. And it's like someone someone needed to take this script and go, "Okay, what what movie are we trying to make here?" And I've actually been having this conversation with another screenwriter lately. Uh just about her this kind of I don't know, it's it's not a dramedy like I'm like, "What what direction do you want this script to go? Because it's got darker elements and you can have a dark comedy, but the way it's written right now, it's like you're trying to straddle. And so you're doing neither job correctly. You know what I mean? These yeah, are I, for, I, uh, I free, free tips from Chris Langford on uh, how to make a movie. Yeah. I'm just going to talk over that. Cause no one, no one needs those, those clips, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I think this is one where, in terms of romantic comedies, usually you're looking at the teen side, right? Teen, um, young adults. Mm. And I think with this one, it is like the comedy is rare, 
right? Like I would say this one's more like a drama than a comedy, right? Like they use the comedy a little bit to kind of liven the mood. And I think you needed that because then like Maura Kelly's character would, would have been completely unlikable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you had to have that kind of laugh, like able to laugh at her. And our producer just put in that the cutting edge had a budget of three million and a box office of twenty-five. So it That's made not bad actually. Not bad yeah, at all. For a return on investment, yeah. But that's a lot of one dollar ninety nine fucking Columbia houses, though. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you how many that is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't know either. Math is not my strong point. Well, um, it, it should be half of twenty five. So, <laughs> okay, and uh, <laughs> moving on. But, yeah, like in terms of, I think the old like an older audience would appreciate it only because it is um it's it is more how would i put it um not immature but more uh like yeah it's it's more like a a mature drama kind of thing like it's a more realistic in terms of you know it, it's not soulmates coming together or you know anything like that it's more like how most people actually do find their significant others right mm-hmm. just given the situation that they meet in okay uh so now i'm gonna just tell everybody this movie's fucking awful do not waste your time watching it if you've listened to this podcast you know enough and you've heard enough about this movie and uh yeah now we're gonna move on to a fucking film that's actually enjoyable and well done uh 1990s pretty woman um I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's anyone out there in the, in the internet world that has not heard of Pretty Woman. You know, the big Richard Gere and Julia Roberts film uh, directed by Gary Marshall, who, I mean, he, this, guy, this guy was a fucking player in the, in, the, in the world of, like, TV and filming. I mean, he's the creator of Happy Days, Mork and Mindy, and Laverne and Shirley. And, again, he worked on tons and tons of other TV work. Then he also directed Beaches Overboard and Overboard, like... He's solid, man. So he was, I think he was a great director for this film. Um, I'm sure if, so what, what's that show that uh, we reference all the time? Is it the movies that made us? Is that where they talk about uh, pretty woman? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know, I mentioned it last week, but there was one thing about cutting edge. You kind of like overtook this. I wanted to say, okay. I had a Chris can mo- can can moment. Con can. Like or can Canadian- con, yeah. Yeah. Can con. You know, the Russian figure skaters that, you know, just show up in the last 15 minutes as now, like, the pair to beat. Yeah. Were actually played by real-life Canadian figure skaters, Christine Ho and Doug LeRae, who finished in eighth in the Calgary Olympics and in ninth in these French uh, Olympics. Well, congratulations. It's also shot in fucking Hamilton, primarily. So that's also a big piece of Canadian content. Steel Town. (laughs) Holy Mackinac. You can can continue taking over. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Pretty Woman got a back to nod for Best Picture. Julia Roberts got nominated for Best Supporting Actress. I mean, so, I mean, I'm going to have to eat some words that I made last time when I was, like, talking about how shit Julia Roberts is. 
So she got her Oscar win, obviously, for Aaron Brockovich. But she has four Oscar nominations for acting. Plus, she's got a BAFTA win and three nods. So, Julia, I'm sorry, baby. I'm sorry. (laughs) I shouldn't have been talking shit about you. You're still not my favorite actor, but, I mean, I forgot that um, she got nominated for Steel Magnolias. Wait, wait, did you just say you're still not my favorite actor? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're apologizing. That's a a Chris Langford story, not sorry. Um, So... (laughs) This, uh, I mean, the you know, the basic story is, if you don't know it, you know, it's it's typical, right? Man goes uh, into the Hollywood Boulevard, he finds Hooker, he pays Hooker money, and in the end, he uh, decides to keep Hooker. Because isn't the whole point of paying a Hooker so that you can give them back when you're done? Like, isn't that kind of how that uh, exchange is supposed to work? <laughs> I wouldn't know. But... Yeah, okay. Wink, I wink, wouldn't. wink. I, I, I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't know. <laughs> but so again, they do a really good job of covering this on movies that made us. I think in the second season or third season. Uh, but it's uh, well, it's written by uh, scriptwriter J.F. Lawrence uh, Lawton, who also did Under Siege and a film I am definitely going to look up called Cannonball Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death, which stars Bill Maher and Shannon Tweed, and is basically like a parody of like B movie jungle films plus apocalypse now uh and obviously like heart of darkness which is what it's based off so i'm like i 100 percent want to watch that fucking movie it sounds amazing um and it was supposed to be much darker and i there's a part of me that really wants to see the darker version where uh vivian has like a drug problem and in the end he fucking drops her up because it's funny there's that line where she's like I'm going to be so good to you, baby. You're not going to want to get rid of me. And he's basically like, for $3,000 a week, oh, I'll I'll be totally fine getting rid of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I kind of want to see the version that's like dark and gritty, almost like a like a noir, shot in noir or shot in neon noir would actually be fucking awesome. And uh, um, where he just like fucking boots her out of the fucking limo at the end is like, peace. Keep your SDIs. Well, yeah, like in... In the movie that made us, yeah, they discuss it like in terms of the original ending was actually he does drop her off and then she takes um, her friend to Disney to Disneyland with the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The friend always wanted to go. And then do you know why that uh, the well in in that episode they discuss it, but the idea why it got changed. Well, I mean, it was being made by Disney. So (laughs) prostitutes in Disneyland, as much as I'm sure that's a thing, uh, it's definitely on Pornhub. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was it Eisner at the time was like, yeah, yeah, we're not doing this. We're we're not having prostitutes go to Disneyland. It's funny because I think about that final um, master is what it would like. I picture almost the scene from The Graduate, which is also taken in the back of a bus. You know what I mean? I kind of picture like almost go like shot for shot. And make that final scene as the bus was is like pulling out or whatever, and shoot it just the same way as the graduate is shot, kind of like an homage uh, to another piece of cinematic history. So um, yeah, when I go and make uh, three thousand, that that'll be the end. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, it's 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 interesting because to think of anybody other than Julia Roberts and Richard Gere in this, it's like. So as you, I'm sure, I know you're aware of this, Scott, like neither one of them were the original people that were wanted for this film. Like 
just so for uh, Richard Gere's character Edward, there was like on that list there Christopher Reeves, Daniel Day Lewis, Kevin Kline, Denzel Washington, Al Pacino, and Burt Reynolds both turned it down. Like Al Pacino actually was doing some chemistry reads with Julia Roberts, and then Julia Roberts was like not even on the list of people they wanted. Like they wanted. Karen Allen, uh, Molly Ringwald, Meg Ryan, Mary Steinberg, Diane Lane. Like, again, like, none of these people, I mean, Molly Ringwald was like, she didn't like the association with, like, prostitutes. And then there were some other, you know, bigger names at the time, like uh, Winona Ryder and stuff that were, they were just thought of as too young. And, like, I, so the only people in that list that I would probably, I think a Denzel Washington version would have been interesting, especially in that time period, like 1990. Doing like interracial, I mean, I think that would have been a really bold statement. Um, I, but I mean, I almost think you'd want to go the grittier route casting him because right now you've got like two beautiful like white people in like a white people movie that ends on like a white people happy ending. You know what I mean? Where I think Denzel Washington would have been a really interesting casting choice to give it like gravitas if you went with that kind of grittier storyline. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> right, but. I think, I think what was done. It, it's the same thing. Like thinking of. Did you rewatch it? Did you watch it for the show? Yeah, yeah. I finished okay. it last night. Um, just, just think about what the Matrix would have been without Keanu, right? Yes. And it was Will Smith. It, now, <laughs> thank God it wasn't Will Smith. I come on, man. Will Smith um, does not is doesn't have the chops, man. Anyway. Okay, but so. The thing rewatching it, right? And this was my first time rewatching it in like years. I did not realize how much, how much he actually like, how much times they actually had intercourse in that movie. Like in my head, I just remember it was like the part where they fall in love, right? And it's on top of the piano. Yes. But then I'm like rewatching it. I'm like, oh, she she gave him a blowy on the first night. I'm like, oh, and then they fucked on the second night. <laughs> I'm like, oh, and the third time was the piano. I'm like, holy shit. Right? Yeah, and I mean, there's, I mean, she is playing a prostitute who's being paid. So um, it's got so many great moments. Honestly, I, <laughs> I find this movie really cute. I mean, I like when she's like singing in the tub to Prince. Uh, that, that piano shot is great. Uh, when he first comes in, he sees her all like dressed up, her in the red dress. Um, yeah, obviously like, like that shopping scene is great. Like, you know, both like when he's like, we're going to be spending an obscene amount of money in here. So we just want to be totally taken care of. Like, it's just, it's, it's fun. Like oh, sucked up to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he starts sucking up to Richard Gere and he's like, not me, her. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Cause in the piano scene, she's like, Oh, she like crosses her legs and she's naked except for the tie. No, actually that's in the hotel room. Isn't it? That's in the hotel room. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When she, uh, the piano scene was she was wearing the bathrobe and then the lingerie underneath or whatever. That's right. And then just imagine having that amount of money that you're like, listen, everybody get out of the fucking dining room. <laughs> he's but a, not, he's a not very, only like, very special guest. And we consider yeah, our very yeah, special not only guest like, like family. <laughs> having the amount of money that you're like, listen, I'm going to shut down this dining room just playing on the piano. And all you fuckers are just going to stand here, work and listen to me. <laughs> and then, then when she comes in, he's like, yeah, everybody get the fuck out. Like, what, you know what would have made that scene like 100 times better? It was while it was like ninjas. panning out. 
no no while <laughs> while the camera's panning out and he's doing the most awkward like eating her out scene where he's eating out her belly button for some reason maybe he learned from her uh from Wazo, tommy Wazo. <laughs> yeah but it was the door of the dining room and just watching all the workers just sitting there watching because you know in real life 100 <laughs> you mean like pull back right past the door the... frame and just seeing everybody like kind of like look kind of looking in yeah. or whatever yeah being like what is this guy packing right um i mean it's it's fun did you watch it just by yourself or did you watch it with your kids or your wife or i don't know i didn't watch it with my kids uh i watched the last like 45 minutes with my wife um she, she like the first but she fell asleep on the couch right typical married watching a movie kind of thing <laughs> right one of us passes out on the couch and but, then you and then you cried at the end you were like oh that's so romantic not really the, i don't think this movie like the best line in this movie is um and i'm having a brain fart but uh who's her friend prostitute oh kit I can't remember the actor's name, but like Kit or yeah. something like that. Yeah. When she was like, hey, grandpa, 45, <laughs> 45 or 50 for you, 75 and your wife can watch. <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> my quote this week is uh, from The Hollywood Reporter, Henry Sheenan. The movie displays an almost pre- uh, preternatural disregard for women's feelings. Call it Pygmalion with a heavy accent on the first syllable. But the comedy is so slickly delivered that the audience may be content with chuckling over its polished surface. So for those of you that don't know, well, Pygmalion is a Greek story of a, a artist that falls in love with a marble statue and then, you know, wishes for it to come to life. But more in, in more recent times, it's a Well, George... they made that movie. It's called Mannequin with, um, <laughs> with uh, what's her name? Kim Cattrall. There's a little, there's a little can-can moment there. <laughs> Also true, uh, but typically when referring to Pygmalion, uh, the reference is the play by George Bernard Shaw, where in the play, uh, a woman with like kind of like a like a West End or East End British accent is brought into upper society by just like taking the like edges off her accent and giving her a more posh accent and being able to like kind of live in a different world. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess this is sort of like Pygmalion in the sense that like once you dollar up. She's great. Uh, she is kind of a classy bitch uh, when she's at the polo field and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. I, I highly like it's a it's a rom-com. Like, I can't really talk about like cinematography or anything. It's the same as the last time. I think it's a cute script. I think it was well written. I think it was well directed. It's it's a like it's a it's a perfectly constructed little rom-com. And I think that like almost five hundred million dollars that it made is kind of a testament to that. And you don't normally use hear me using like budget numbers and money numbers to uh, you know but give credit. It's to only it. when you want to want to boost your movies, <laughs> right? If I say anything about my movies that you don't like, you're like fuck. <laughs> you're like if you take a big shit and there's a lot of flies in it, does it really make that shit any different than the small shit? <laughs> that is not at all how that quote goes. But I almost like that one better. If you take a big shit and there's a little shit. And the flies go to all the shit. It's all just shit. It's just all just shit. Mic drop. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got, man. That's my Oscar speech right there. <laughs> and that is our wrap for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends. 
If you want to get a hold of us, reach us at the www.howdyoulikethatmovie.com. Like, I'm 100% um, in awe that you did not mention Quentin Tarantino or anything in this episode. <laughs> oh my god, I thought I you were going to pull out some stuff and be like, do you know that there's a Quentin Tarantino director's cut of Pretty Woman? Or of, uh, of uh, whatever your shitty film was called. Uh, c- cutting cutting edge. edge. Yeah, I, I, made, I made it up in my head. <laughs> I'm like, it's Cutting Edge, but then with the Tanya Harding story. But he literally <laughs> hires the Vega... <laughs> the Vega Brothers, and that's when you finally get the Vega Brother movie. And it turns out that one of the Vega Brothers the... is actually a hockey player. Yeah, <laughs> it's the one. It's the one that took out his eye. <laughs> <laughs> Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.